Hey, this is Kip Winger, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. I'll be your host, John. In episode 47, we had the special opportunity to speak to winger vocalist and founding member Kip Winger about their upcoming uh, tour stop in uh, Pittsburgh at the Fate Lounge on June 16th. Uh, they'll be playing there. Uh, local boy Red Beach, uh, who is also one of the founding members of Winger, will be uh, in the band that night. So we're hoping to get a real good turnout to welcome him uh, back home. We had a chance to talk to Kip earlier this week about uh, the new album and also uh, Kip's latest solo effort, which is actually uh, kind of a departure from what you might think. It's actually a classical music uh, piece that he has written uh, and pr- had performed uh, called Ghost Sweet One. So we're going to play you a little bit of a classic winger song to get you in the mood, followed up by uh, two uh, snippets from the new album, Karma, which just came out in late 2009. Uh, You're going to hear 17, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, followed by a little taste of Deal with the Devil and Stone Cold Killer, and then we're going to get into the interview with Kip. And also stay tuned after the interview for details on how you can win a pair of tickets to see Winger at the Fate Lounge. Kip Winger. How you doing, Kip? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, we wanted to touch base with you. Um, we had Reb on the show back uh, right before Karma came out. And I remember in speaking to him, I thought he might have been the busiest guy in rock until I looked at your itinerary. Um, I think you might be trying to one-up him. Um, oh, man. We're just uh, to... happy to be working. Yeah. I mean, and you you must be like a pig in mud then because you are a uh, you're a busy man, if I'm not mistaken. You're going to Hong Kong to do your classical piece, and you're coming to do the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and then you're coming back to the States for two different tours. Um, 
wanted to touch base. I'm primarily of, of interest to Pittsburghers. I think uh, Wingers has always been kind of a focal point of Pittsburgh, being that Red was in the band. Um, can we talk a little bit just about Karma and where some of the songs came from and the writing process? Because I know you guys are kind of disjoint throughout the states. Uh, the writing process is always the same. Reb and I sit down with a drum machine and knock out a beat and start writing riffs. And so it's been that way since the very first record. That's what we do on every single record. And, you know, they just come out diff depend depending upon the the mood that we're in during that section of our lives is how they how they come out on this record. I <clears throat> really wanted to just do a lot of up-tempo stuff and stuff that would translate live and stuff we could use in our live show more and and uh, just keep it a little bit back to the first album meets Pull, you know. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it, like the, the process hasn't changed. Okay. Now, do you record? Do you have your own studio that you record out of, or did you guys take it to a, somewhere else to record? No, we did it all at my place. I, I have a studio in my house. It's, uh, everybody has a studio in their house these days. But I mean, mine's kind mm -hmm. of a. You know, I have all the pro stuff that you would think somebody would have in a real studio. So, I mean, I kind of spend a lot of, I've spent, you know, 60% of my life in here. So, uh, I have all the stuff we need to make it cool. Excellent. I, I have to say, when I listened to the, the album in its entirety, the first time I said, you know, the thing that came to me was, it was obviously very up-tempo, but it was kind of a fun record. It wasn't, um, you know, which I think is great. I think there's a lot of bands now kind of returning to what made that music so popular. And I think Karma does a great job of that from the very first song the whole way through the Thanks. end. Well, I mean, I, you know, part part of it, part of when people listen to albums, they don't take into account how the album is mixed and stuff like that. So you can change a lot of the vibe just in the mix. Um, on this record, it was real guitar heavy, so it gives the impression that it's a lot more rock. And, um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, it was it was really exemplary of where we of where our heads were at right now. I mean, I uh, I'm mixed about how to proceed at any given time with the band, you know. So it mm -hmm. just kind of uh, happens when it does. Yeah, I mean, and, and you guys are obviously um, one of the, the things with wingers. You guys have no slouches on any of your musicianship. I mean, you're a fascinating musician. Reb is. You know, legendary with his guitar work. You've got Rod Morgenstein, which uh kind of a hidden gem in the background there, you know. And then, you know, so there's certainly no no lack of chops, for a better, lack of a better word. Yeah, and John, um, John Roth is actually our secret weapon. Nobody realizes how good he is until they come see us live uh, as yeah, a guitar I, player and a singer. And now he's the lead guitar player in Giant. So if anybody hasn't heard that record, they should go out and buy that as well. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's kind of funny to think of him as the new guy. He's been around for, what, 17 years now in the band? Yeah, We're yeah, exactly. Part. exactly. He's done everything. We only did, we did two records with Paul, and then John joined. And, but right. Paul is still a very good friend of ours. I mean, it's it, it wasn't bad blood or anything. It was just, uh, you know, a better fit, and everybody's, we're all good friends. Nothing ended on a sour note or anything. Yeah, Paul I, went I believe on, I have... Paul went on to do Steve Perry and put a gold record on his wall for it, you know, so. I can't blame him for that. I, I, I believe I had the uh, the luxury of seeing you guys with Paul and John, if I'm not mistaken, back, uh, it was probably in the early yeah. part of the 
Poison Tour 2002, yeah. Yeah, that was a really, really good show. Now, you're um, certainly, I mean, you're not resting on the laurels of Winger. You've got a pretty extensive body of work outside of Winger, um, both as kind of a solo acoustic, but also you've kind of moved into the world of classical. I don't want to say moved in because it seems like your head's always been kind of in that space. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Ghost Suite? Oh, thanks. I always, I always, I always left seeds of my future, even from the first Winger record when I put a string quartet on the beginning of Hungry, and and uh, mm. in the records you'll hear po- points uh, in the music where I clearly made classical quotations, and you know, kind of to let everybody know where I was headed. Um, and I just now have gotten really good enough to publish some of the music. So I wrote a piece called Ghosts. That's a, it's actually a four movement piece. It's available on iTunes, but only the three movement version in the, in the in the original form that I wrote it. But when I I wrote it for a choreographer named Christopher Wielden, who's a very well known ballet choreographer. And <clears throat> for anybody who knows my history, they know I have ties to ballet. So. Um, you know, I wrote that piece for him, and he, at, at the in the final hour, asked me to write another movement for it. So there actually is four movements, um, although you'd have to go see the ballet to hear the other one. And uh, we, you know, I Tucson Symphony premiered it in no, last November, and then San Francisco Ballet premiered the ballet in February 2010, and it's uh, it was a big hit. I was really lucky. So Hong Kong oh. Ballet is going to do the Adagio, and then next year San Francisco Ballet is going to bring it back. And I'm working on my second ballet right now. So, now, do you have and, the you ability? Know, to, go ahead. Do you perform those with them? Are you involved in the actual performance, or basically do you just kind of give them the work and let I've them? Uh, I could never play anything of that kind of thing that I write. I don't. I don't actually consider myself a great instrumentalist. I think I, I'm pretty good at bass and singing and that, but uh, when it comes to the kind of music I'm actually composing, I mean, they're either I couldn't play it to save my life. I mean, it's way too difficult. It's written for people that have spent their whole lives working on one instrument, you know. And to compose it, you don't have to play it. You just have to imagine it. Yeah, You've got to be able to see the bigger picture. Now, you do a lot with the arranging and things as well. I do it all. Every dot on that paper, I put it there. You know, there's no. Um, that's a big misconception in classical music. With film music, a lot of the composers will write like a line and give it to an orchestrator, and they'll like turn it into music or something, or Paul McCartney or something like that might write a classical piece and not have the chops to fully orchestrate it. But that's the whole challenge for me. I don't really consider a composition a real uh, organic classical piece of music unless the composer did everything, you know, so I was always you're writing, very pure. Go ahead. You're writing pieces for cello and piano and, and individually then and kind of blending it all together? Yeah. Well, an orchestra has basically four sections, you know, uh, the wind, the brass, percussion, strings, and then, you know, uh, maybe a piano will be in there, or a harp would be considered in the stringed instrument group. But it's basically four groups, and within those four groups, you have anywhere from you know two to five or six 
different types of instruments that could be playing, and, and then everybody's playing something different. So very complex. It's it's really it's really fascinating, actually, and extremely challenging. So, but it's really just uh, I'm not I don't recommend you know learning how to write music for rock musicians and stuff necessarily. It's just that that's the way my mind thinks. So if you're if you realize that you think that way, then it's kind of your job to learn the the, the you know the kind of skills that it's going to take to uh, manifest you know, what's what you're hearing. So that's kind of why I went down that path because it was really all I was hearing. I stopped hearing rock music years and years ago, you know, so I can write you a rock song because I've done it my whole life, but I don't I don't sit around and hear that music anymore. What I hear is much uh more complex shapes and sounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. More comes in the form of of uh Visuals, actually. Now, Kit, do you? What do you find? I mean, I guess this is maybe a kind of a loaded question, but obviously you had tremendous success with Winger. Is what in and seeing a orchestra perform something that you wrote? Which would you consider more gratifying, or is it kind of a time and place in your life? Uh, you know, one maybe it was. Well, it's a time and place in my life. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a rock star, so that was a cool thing to achieve. But my whole, even then, I wanted to. I always felt like my biggest calling was orchestra music. So when I actually was sitting in the opera house, hearing it and watching it, that was that was probably it. Probably it may not have been the most kind of quote exciting thing, but it was definitely the most gratifying. you know, deep within my soul because it was a lifetime goal of many, many years, you know. So, um, had I accomplished it when I was 28 years old, maybe I would feel differently about it, but um, I'm a bit of a slow learner, you know, so I'm kind of just plodding along here like the turtle. Um, I don't get to things that fast because I have to like them, and I don't really like that much <laughs> for anybody that actually knows me in person knows that I'm pretty dark on things, and they have to really pass a very high bar for me to even accept uh, working on an idea or something like that. Certainly. All right, well, Kip, you're going to be coming into town. I believe the, the date is June 16th, if I'm not mistaken, to the Fate Lounge. You're going to be bringing in... Uh, Winger, uh, should we expect a lot of the, the new CD Karma on the set list that night? Well, I mean, in terms of a segue back to the rock, um, I, I, you know, we just kind of delved into the psychological aspects of, of who I am and all that stuff. The the point of, of the band really has grown into this thing where we enjoy each other's company so much and have so much respect for each other as musicians that we tour by choice because everybody else has a lot of stuff going on and there isn't a need to go out and tour because we have to make money and a lot of a lot of bands uh, are really in it for the bucks you know and so of course the money's great sure our band that's really different i think right now and people can see it when they come see us is that we have so much fun and we just feel like we belong together on stage and it's um it's a very mature band in terms of uh you know, we we really know uh, the inner workings of each member and the songs and the, and the fans know that actually come see us. You know, they've stuck it out through a lot of uh, 
you know, ups and downs with the band. So I think it's really uh, it's a great thing to participate in for anybody that wants to come see it because we have a blast. Sure. Yeah, I know. I when we spoke to Reb, um, he couldn't have been any more flattering of the relationship you two have had professionally and personally for the last you know, twenty-five, thirty years. Uh, and, and you don't yeah, I mean, a lot I, of that. I feel I feel blessed to be able to have worked with these guys for so long because it's every time they plug in or Rod gets behind the drums or something, I'm just kind of sitting there blown away by what's coming out of them. You know, it's 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 really amazing. You you really notice it when you go see other people. I I mean, of course, there's you can go see Steve Vai and be completely blown away, but there's a lot of guys that just don't, you know, they don't come up with the goods, you know. And yeah. Reb has always just really been incredible. Yeah, he's he's. I think as I mentioned earlier in the Pittsburgh market, I think we've always been very aware of Reb. Um, so it's it's been kind of nice to watch him. Uh, through his work not only with Winger but White Snake and Dawkins and Night Ranger, um, to see him make, you know, a good career out of this, where a lot of, you know, other players of that era kind of either disappeared or maybe only crawling out again now to get back and you know get some money in their pocket doing some of these festivals and things like that. So it's good to see the sincerity. Well, I think the difference, you know, the the difference becomes the the the, the it, whether you're the kind of person that can or can't put the guitar down, you know, there's those kind of people, you know, like some people are more in it to sell the t-shirt and others are in it for the, just because they, it's, it's a, it's a act of nature that you have, that you just have to play, you know? So, yeah. and you can usually hear the difference, I think. Sure. Oh, Kip, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're a very busy man. Um, your schedule is, mind-boggling, so I want to thank you for taking a couple of minutes out of your day and coming on the show. Yeah, no, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, we really look forward to seeing you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. From the album Ghost Sweet One, that was Kip Winger with Adagio. Uh, if you enjoyed that uh, little sample of that music, you can actually get that album. If you search for Kip Winger on Amazon, you can get the whole thing for only two ninety nine. It's three songs, but they're relatively long songs. So uh, really uh, kind of a cool uh, departure um, for those of you me- are kind of metalheads or into rock. It's kind of a, a neat piece of music to sit and listen to uh, for fans of music of all type. So, again, Winger will be coming to town on June 16th playing the Fate Lounge 
Uh, if you'd like to win a pair of tickets, if you go to ironcityrocks.com and across the top on the homepage, there's a link that says contest. You can click that link and register uh, to win a pair of tickets to see Winger. We also are still giving a, one pair of tickets away to see Lizzie Borden at the Hard Rock Cafe on the 28th of May. He will be playing with Chip Daimonic, Dafka, and also Icarus Witch. Icarus Witch is doing really doing a great job this summer of getting themselves out there to a lot of good shows in the Pittsburgh area. And then they'll be going off on tour with uh, Y&T for the later part of the summer into the fall. So before we go, uh, we will be playing a song from Icarus Witch, but I wanted to tell you if you go to ironcityrocks.com, you can follow us there. Uh, get links to our Facebook, MySpace, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, we'll keep you abreast of all the things going on with the show. We hope you enjoyed it. We would appreciate any feedback. You can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com or use the contact link on our website. All right, as promised, this is Icarus Witch from the album Draw Down the Moon. This is called Aquarius Rising. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>